Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome back to another episode of Our Triune Pod. Nick, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Ben. Uh, is it actually the morning? Or <laughs> that was a nod to no, our you know, audience. This is released in the morning, so <laughs> yeah, a good point. Good point. Um, it's we're three recording. It's at two a.m. It's, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's three in the morning. <laughs> no, um, I uh, I'm not that cool. Uh, I'm doing good though. I'm doing well. I am. Um, I feel a little busy. I feel pretty busy. I have. I normally like to describe my life as profoundly unbusy, but that is not the case these last couple of weeks. So um, burning the candle a little bit on both ends, but. You know, I'm just doing what I love, man. I'm serving our Lord. I got no complaints. What about you? How are you? So you're working at two churches at once, man. I'm I'm not envious of that. I've I've got, I mean, and you're you're the rector now of this other church. So I'm I'm the for the listeners who don't know, I'm the vicar here at Calvary St. George's, and the head priest is away. So I feel like I'm overwhelmed. But Nick here is the rector and an associate rector at the same time until when? Till July, right? Yeah, I mean, that's not technically true. Just for one, just to, yeah, yeah. I just, I'm starting a new job and I've, and I have asked to be involved in some conversations at the new job. So no one is putting anything on me. I don't want to paint uh, myself like as a martyr here. Um, and that's profound. For all our new uh, Raleigh listeners, he's not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, two days in, I'm already complaining. No, I'm, I'm genuinely not complaining. All right, let's take the focus off me, and I have a question I wanted to ask you, man. So what's uh, what's one thing you're really excited to do this summer? you have any trips planned or um, anything? Like, if there's just one thing, like, man, this I cannot wait for this, what, what, what would you say? Yeah, so uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, my best friend from high school, is getting married in Florida, in uh, St. Pete's, and it was going to be a mansion. So there's only 12 of us going to be there. But he rent- rented out a mansion for about a week, and we're all going to stay there, and it's going to be incredible. I don't know what I'm going to do with the other two weeks of vacation I have left, but I'm not thinking about them at all because, Adrian Truscus, if you're listening, this is going to be a blast. <laughs> That's us. That sounds very, very fun. I am uh, not the least bit jealous of that uh, that wedding invite, but good for you, man. Good for you, Adrian. I made the cut. I made the cut. So what about you? Anything? Uh, I mean, are you doing any fun or are you just working? No. Yeah. I, um, you know, this is going to be, I don't know, slightly embarrassing, but I, um, I bought tickets to go see Bright Eyes in Raleigh, actually, on August 4th. So I am wow. I am pretty excited about that. Yeah. That's I mean, I've seen Bright Eyes like nine times. But, uh, you know, they put out the new album last year. Now they're doing a big tour this year. And they're coming through Raleigh. So I'm, gonna, I'm going. I, got, I, I am. I have, it's the first concert I'll have been to since February of 2020. Um, so I'm super, super excited. Dude, I bet that's going to be like a spiritual experience. There was a... So I saw on Instagram that... So the Foo Fighters played at Madison Square Garden. I don't know if it was last night or the night before, but it was packed. I bet. And they were interviewing people coming out of it. And it was like, they were talking late. They had gone to a Pentecostal church service. Just how much they missed all this, the kind of emotions. I feel like that's going to be you. 
and that's gonna be great. Yeah, I have some. I have a pretty uh, emotional connection to the 2003 through 2007 Bright Eyes discography, <laughs> as 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 do a lot of mid 30 white dudes. <laughs> you know, In fact, look, listeners, I've like got a great me. story. Once I was driving across Pennsylvania, which is a huge state, so five hours with Nick Comiskey, and this was after I think both of us had had a heart heartbreak at this time. And I just remember seeing Nick Comiskey singing at the top of his lungs with all of his emotion. And so I cannot wait to hear about this concert. Oh my gosh. When you were saying that, my, the picture in my head was like from that scene from Dumb and Dumber. When they're like you know, in the van, the, the dog van, singing to, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's cool. Amazing. Well, let's get back to the, the, the collect. And it is proper let's, eight. Let's go. And here we go. So Almighty God. You have built your church upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Grant us so to be joined together in unity of spirit by their teaching, that we may be made a holy temple acceptable to you through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, Nick, where do you want to take us? Yeah, man, well, I was thinking about this collect and... What I have to say is is not it's not the usual like well let's try and talk about people's actual experience here or, you know but where where my mind went was like the um the the part of my uh story and journey into the churches that we kind of, that we have both you know decided to serve is very intimately connected to what is going on in this prayer. We acknowledge in the ascription that God built his church upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. This is language, I think, from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And then our request is that we would be joined together in unity of spirit um, by their teaching so that the common teaching we have received from the apostles and prophets would be a kind of unifying force um, and that that would create a, like this holy temple acceptable to you. Now we can talk a little bit about what that means, but I um, I guess what to me the major takeaway that we get from this collect is that as believers in Jesus Christ in the year of our Lord twenty twenty one we stand on a we stand on the shoulders of people who have gone before us and our identity as Christians and our self understanding descriptions as Christians and our under, our understanding of God and what God is up to in the world is founded upon. You know, that which God revealed once and for all in Jesus Christ as attested to the apostles and the prophets. And so I think what I'm really trying to say here, and I don't know how relevant this is going to be for a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, but I, you know, I kind of really became a Christian in a church context that was not particularly interested in tracing its lineage in any meaningful or tangible way back to the apostles and the prophets. I mean, there was like a spiritual connection, like we're trying to do the stuff that we see in the book of Acts. But for all intents and purposes, the history of the church started in 1906 with Azusa Street. Maybe like Charles Spurgeon in the 19th century or Jonathan Edwards, if you like really want to go far back. This is the lineage that I come from. Um, but um, and I remember this is going to sound really funny, but part of what this church would have me do, which was a very cool practice, is they would encourage me, encourage everyone to like, you know, read two to five chapters of the New Testament every day. You know, don't try and go super deep. Just like read it. And if you do that, you'll read, end up reading the New Testament several times a year because there's just not that many chapters. And as I was reading, especially reading the letters of Paul, I began to see how Paul himself understood that he had received this distinctive 
understanding of the gospel and that he was passing it on to the next generation. And then generation after that was going to receive it and on and on and on until the present day. So I began to understand myself as a Christian, as someone who is like in some pretty tangible way linked to the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Um, And that was a very like a very helpful way for me to like anchor my self-understanding as a believer in this like deep historical sense. And that was, yeah, proved to be really uh, influential in my, in my, even my vocation as a priest. Um, that, that was that kind of boring. I'm sorry, man. I just, that's what I'm about to say is just as irrelevant to people's everyday lives, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's still good. So my, uh, my favorite professor in seminary was the old Testament Hebrew Bible professor. And he loved lines like this built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, um, essentially the new Testament and the old Testament or, you know, the only Testament, uh, the apostles had. So, and then Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So what he would say reading this is the apostles and the prophets point to Jesus. They are, you know, we don't privilege one over the other, even though all my sermons come from the gospel or from the epistles, but they're, they're both of equal importance. This is the foundation and it, it points to Jesus, the cornerstone. And what I find interesting, you mentioned already, uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. This is really just you know, a copy of Ephesians 2 of certain verses. Um, but what I found interesting is that, so the prayer really is, all right, we're, we're built on this firm foundation, apostles, prophets pointing to Jesus, that we may be joined in unity of spirit by their teaching. And I guess like throughout most of my life, when I've thought about this, I've thought about, you know, Catholics and Protestants coming together under one roof, under one ecumenical, you know, happy family. Uh, but I think that, you know, the, in, in Ephesians, Paul is talking about, you know, Gentiles and Jews. And I think today the real relevant thing for me is, you know, we there's just, I mean, with what's the reactions to Black Lives Matter, to, you know, race relations in our country, in our church, uh, there's there really is like this this call for us to come together under the banner of the apostles and prophets being unified and teaching made this holy temple. So, I mean, of course it involves, you know, Christians of various stripes, uh, you know, setting aside all the adiophora, which essentially just means all that really doesn't matter at the end of the day. But yeah, I, I find that kind of interesting. And that, that just came to mind of Lord, help us who look different from each other, who worship different from one another, etc. Uh, Remember that we are upon the shoulders of giants, the apostles and prophets, the Old and New Testaments, all pointing to Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Anything else you saw on there I want to say? Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to answer. It's, I'm imagining someone asking me, um, well, how does the teaching of the apostles and prophets, how is that integral to our unity of spirit in 2021. So people from that live in functionally different worlds, you know, that see things so differently politically or culturally that we could be joined together in a profound unity of spirit with them by the, by the teaching of the apostles and prophets, um, on the foundation of we're, we're using the word teaching. I'm using we're teaching a lot. It doesn't actually say that it's the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Like what, how is the, their teaching instrumental to our unity? Is it a common body of knowledge that we both ascribe to? And that is what engenders this like, oh, I guess we're on the same team. We agree with these same things or, you know, well, how does that work? Like, what is, 
why does the teaching of the apostles and prophets unify people who yeah, would otherwise gender, have yeah. by no means get along not necessarily get along but like not yeah i don't know i i, I don't yeah. think i would have a good answer to that question yeah i mean maybe um, is it the gospel right the the great leveling plea field uh you know raises uh, classes you know whatever i mean maybe i mean i guess st saint, saint paul says that <laughs> what did he mean and i like i like the notion of it being you know the gospel uh, levels everyone regardless yeah. of what they look like, etc. Um, yeah, that's good. So I'm not sure that's less, what the person had in mind, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, who cares? No. Uh, yeah. So it's it's less this kind of like yeah, because people say that like you know I think what I'm kind of what I am reacting against is some of this notion of like oh no it's like the creeds you know like it's like we have this we say the same things in worship it's like well who cares like you could say the same thing as someone that you sit next to in worship and completely hate them you know like you're not united to them in spirit just because you both say the same profession of faith um and so i like what you're saying it's more like unity is something that god does through the instrument of the gospel and the gospel is the means by which god quickens and god kills you know god raises us up out of our sin but god also puts to death our old adam and is when we are it's when people from very different walks of life are are like are similarly being worked on by the triune God, you know, um, being killed and being made alive, you know, dying and rising again. That is what creates the unity of spirit. And that is what the teaching of the apostles and prophets is ultimately designed to do. Less, you know, uh, not provide this kind of stable, dust-filled, here is what the Bible says, or here is the teaching. It's more like this kind of witness to the living God and what the living God is able to do, even in our day and age. Yeah, the gospel that just kind of engenders humility, the gospel that, again, the person you've been judging for so long, well, <laughs> point the finger on yourself. It just seems if this is inhabited, if this becomes a part of us, it becomes really hard to be so opposed to this unity of spirit, uh, whether it's other denominations, whether it's people who look different from us. Yeah, that's good news. That's good, man. So there's a whole like cottage industry that's devoted around like narrating the failures of the church and all the ways in which we're not doing what we should be doing. You know, like that's people write books about that. Conference about that. about this this morning. Yeah, no one's ever like conference on why we're crushing it. You know, it's always like narrating some aspect of institutional failure or crisis. So here's my question to you, my dude. What's one thing that you're seeing right now, and you're in the church? And I don't want to hear like about a particular person that goes to your church. I mean, a little bit more broad than that. Like, what's one thing you see happening in the church that you find genuinely encouraging and a sign of real resurrection life or unity of spirit? Um, you know, in a holy temple acceptable to you. Where, what do you see that you're like, that's where that holy temple is acceptable to the Lord? Yeah, I think um, just for our church here in New York City, we've had a whole bunch of people come who've never been here before and spiritual questions awakened in them during the pandemic. And the congregation that's been here all along has welcomed them with open arms. Uh, I know that sounds like that, should always be that way, but it's it's not necessarily, right? Like a lot of times, uh, Nick knows this, you might be uh, at the back of your church after the service and you see newcomers you know, standing at the coffee table all alone and you're like, oh man, why can't somebody just like welcome them? Uh, but uh, that's been pretty natural here that the people who've come in who, from other churches or for, who are unchurched, 
have just really felt connected and plugged in. And it's really been the body of Christ and not necessarily the priests who have welcomed them with open arms, I guess, engendering that spirit of unity. You got anything for me? Um, yeah, man. I mean, I think so. I could speak a little bit to what I see happening in the four or five churches that were kind of closely networked with in Austin. And those churches are much more similar than they are different. You know, they're comprised of mostly upper middle class white or white adjacent people. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right term. But, What's you know. white adjacent? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah. And I mean, socio socioeconomically white adjacent, let's put it that way. Um, and, you know, I think I am, I, that is that is who I am. And so I am harshly critical of myself and of, and of others who look like me. But one thing I would say, and this is, this is not about me and something I'm doing. This is something I see in the lives of our congregation. And, and I think, and I'm talking about both people who are white and majority culture, but also people who are minority culture but may not be african-american um i i think i've seen people like really try to understand the world and understand the unique pain and frustration that uh black people have experienced for a long time and i would emphatically not want this to be construed as as something self-congratulatory like at all of course we're all learning and you know insert term you know, qualifier here, but I just think, uh, and, and I'm, I, you know, there's a, a really fantastic guy who is maybe, or maybe not in our denomination now, his name is Esau McCauley and he's written this great book. And, and I'm kind of channeling something that he said kind of early in the pandemic that basically like, if you just paid attention to national news media, all you would be aware of is like how most churches are doing, are failing in this way or that way or that way. And what he was saying is like, yeah, that's true. There are like some egregious failures, but like a lot of the churches that he sees are like trying their best and they're making meaningful progress. They're not perfect. They're not these perfect emissaries of justice or they do not. There's no like sense of like, yeah, we did it. We did that sermon series. Check. Of course not. But I think the kind of openness and the willingness to ask hard questions and to like be made uncomfortable is like, I, I don't know. I've seen people willing to do that. Again, that doesn't mean we've arrived, but like that's not nothing. And to to not say, yo, well, thank you, Lord, for opening that door and, and helping us take a couple steps forward, even if we're so far from getting there. Like, you don't want to despise the day of small beginnings, I suppose. Um, yeah, well, maybe this is a cliche, but like a Bible it seems like the gospel, the good news, like Christ is moving towards you, even though sometimes you're a piece of work. Yeah. Is the thing that just might engender that spirit yeah. of humility unity willingness to be like hey maybe i'm incomplicit um i think thank you ben for saying that because that actually gives voice to what i was trying to say and i just didn't have and like it's like yeah it's not that like we're more tolerant or pathetic now like it's probably not true but i think we're aware now more we meaning like people in majority culture people are a little more like oh yeah we have been missing it like we have kind of assumed that our experience of the world is everyone's experience of the world and like, that's not actually true. <laughs> you know, like that, that's a very simple admission, but I think that actually is the door to a lot of compassion and empathy. And, um, and I, I'm just really thankful that, you know, God in his grace has opened our eyes to that. But anyway. Awesome. Well, praise out. Yeah, man. Almighty God, you have built your church upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Grant us so to be joined together in unity of spirit by their teaching, that we may be made a holy temple acceptable to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
about that episode of our triune pod now that you've been prepped for praise won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review we promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming so be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast